Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome into the Triple Option. Paul Catalina, Jacob Wilson alongside. Jacob, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, we had a, there was a crazy college football weekend this weekend. Jacob. It was. Uh, I want to get your opinions on those before we jump into the first topic. Uh, let's do rapid fire with Jacob because you weren't here yesterday. Uh, that was Chris. Uh, and so, what's today? Tuesday? Yes, it was Chris. Tuesday. See, I'm getting old, Jacob. I forget what day it is. Uh, okay, rapid fire. Texas, Oklahoma. I mean, exciting. Very exciting. Uh, both teams looked really good. Uh, Texas looked back like all the uh, the pundits want them to be. But Oklahoma, they just played a little bit better. It, it was all about who had the ball last, really. Yeah. All right, Alabama versus Texas A&M. I mean, we're starting to see cracks in the uh, – in the dynasty of the Saban era, I think. I mean, look, Alabama could rebound and come back next year and, and be the same Alabama. But we saw glimmers of it last year, but I think Bryce Young kept the foundation upright. But uh, Jalen Milrow looks like he's very, very raw. Um, but ultimately, I mean, they're able to, to beat the Aggies. Okay, if you, if you were a Texas A&M regent and had $90 million just laying around, like just, you know... Silly, fun, funny money, so to speak. What would you do? I mean, I think everyone, every A&M regent who has invested hard-earned money into that program, uh, it's been a bad investment. And so um, if I had $90 million laying around, I mean, I, I personally would. That's buyout money. But if I'm – I'm telling know, you, listen. To, just to get rid of Jimbo. You're, you're a Texas oil billionaire. You have, like – you know, you have a helicopter to take you to the main helicopter, that kind of rich. Yeah. You know, um, you, you've never had ketchup from a packet kind of a guy, you know. Then, yeah, I'm firing his ass and, and get, getting rid of $90 million to do it. Yeah, uh, because right now what you've, you've paid for, and I'll use this analogy again, they paid for a Rolls Royce, and they're getting Toyota performance. Toyota is a fine automobile, but. Now, Toyota is much more reliable than, than Jimbo Fisher. I think, <laughs> exactly. I think okay. you're thinking of the Volkswagen Tiguan. Yes, that's the, you know, the one that we got, yeah, almost got stuck in West Texas. Yes, that's what they are. Yeah, they're playing Rolls-Royce prices for Kia performance. <laughs> and not to knock that, but, like, you know, there's a difference. You know, when I buy my yeah. Rolls-Royce, you know, you can, um, you know, lean back all the way in the seat. I mean... <laughs> all, all, all car analogies aside, like this AM offense actually looks pretty darn good. Yeah. Compared to how they've looked into the Jimbo era, but they're just not winning. Yeah. Max Johnson looks pretty good. And you see what Devin A Chain, Devon A Chain is doing for the Miami Dolphins right now. Yeah. No one expected that because they never really saw that level of of, uh, of juice when he was an Aggie. I, 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 I did. They didn't use him enough, obviously. Um, but. Yeah, I, I, I thought, you know, especially when he went to the Dolphins, I was like, well, that's the perfect place for him to go. Yeah. You know? Of course, now he's a poor guy's hurt. <laughs> um, uh, all right, uh, let's see. Georgia and Kentucky. Georgia and Kentucky. Um, is anyone really surprised about that one? No, I mean, like, just Georgia finally woke up. Yeah, you shouldn't be surprised about it, but, you know. Uh, I, I didn't expect them to 
do to Kentucky what they did. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, ultimately, like, there's people out there murmuring that Michigan should be ranked one. And there's a chance that Georgia heard about that and was like, you know what? No, enough of that. Well, we're we're gonna we're gonna flex our number one muscle. Michigan's been tested actually less than Georgia at this oh, point yeah. too. So Big look, time. that still doesn't mean they're not really good because every time somebody comes into their orbit, they just swat them away like a mosquito. But mm-hmm. uh, that's that's all that they. But they haven't played anybody all, all all that great yet. Okay, first topic, Jacob. Full disclosure for our. Uh, fans watching at home, you are a Baylor gra- graduate. That's true. Should not be a surprise since we are a uh, stone's throw away from that that very institution. Uh, Dave Aranda won a, col- a conference championship uh, two years ago, won a Sugar Bowl two years ago, uh, finished off what uh, is probably the best season in program history because it was. E- even with the other two conference championships in the Big 12, they didn't finish those off with bowl wins. They, in fact, um, disappointingly lost to, to UCF and then um, blew a gigantic lead against Michigan State. Uh, in the Cotton Bowl. So Baylor has not looked good for four straight quarters in a game yet. They are two and four. One of those wins is against an FCS team, and they didn't look good in that game. Like, they won that game by virtue of just being not the FCS team. And they, they, had, a, they had a weather delay in that game, and I, I'm, I'm sure that they were like, hey, guys, you know that this is an FCS team, right? Yeah. Like just walk around and say that over again. Like yeah. this is long. Like this was a team we had to replace. Like we, they were the last people we could get to come in here because we had a team, Louisiana Tech, bolt on the schedule from us. Uh-huh. So uh, don't like get the last team that picked up the phone that had an open date. Let mm-hmm. it, them win here, uh, and then you know they they looked okay against Utah. Against although Utah still. I think that was they, – they caught Utah on a sluggish day. They, and it was an early game, and they hadn't quite woken up yet. Yeah. And no, no one really knew what Baylor was at that point, yeah. too. Like, people didn't think that Baylor was going to be a team that is coming out looking as, as just – they're sleepwalking. It, that, that's just the impression that I'm getting. And, and uh, I mean, the, Dave Aranda, his presence on the sideline, he, uh, he's just – so emotionless that I, I I wonder what's going through his head. Yeah, because I, I think he's a smart enough coach to to right the ship. But uh, how how does anybody know what's going on in his head? Yeah, absolutely. So Dave Aranda, um, I was I was reticent to put him on the hot seat because you know I just know that they don't want that to be the case. No, he is in no way like administration wise. He's in no way in the bullseye that that's not mm-hmm. you couldn't and you could say that for like neil brown i think has taken himself off the hot seat like they're they're probably gonna go mm-hmm. at least seven and five if not better uh, this year and if he's seven and five after what he did last year and beats Pitt and tech and all these things in the and like you can't get rid of that guy mm-hmm. he's showing a lot of progress and dealing with injured quarterbacks and all the stuff he's done so neil brown entered the season very much in the crosshairs New athletic director, Rand Baker, who I don't think wants, nobody really wants to fire a coach unless you just took the job and like, oh man, I can't believe I get to fire this guy I hate. But yeah. uh, I don't think that normally happens uh, in the world. So they, he didn't have a bullseye on him, but now that you've seen what's going on after the first six games, you know, I, I, I'm starting to notice his name pop up among national columnists. For example, Adam Rittenberg today wrote a column about you know, coaching searches like Michigan State and Northwestern and what they're they're going to try to look at there. And then teams on the hot seat, Jeff Halfley at Boston College, uh, you know, uh, Tom Allen, Indiana, Dana Holgerson. I don't know if Dana's on the hot seat because they really like him there, mm-hmm. but they're losing. They're not playing really well. They've got roster issues, and I just I, – he might be over it. Yeah. Like, I think he would – he's – He's his own hot seat, in my opinion. I mean, just based on some of the action that was on their sidelines last year, it kind of seemed like, yeah, there there might be a lack of control in that locker room. Yeah, I think he's I think he's kind of like you one thing you clear out some of that, but also it's like, you know, does he want to is he one of those guys? There's a there's a group of them, coaches like I think Dabo's one of them that I think in a couple of years if Dabo mm-hmm. just cannot wrap his you know, arms around the transfer portal and NIL to the level that he needs to, that he's going to be like, I just don't want to – this is not the job that I liked doing, so I'm going to stop doing it. Yeah. Um, and Mike Gundy feels that way a little bit to me. 
um, that he'll just be like, yeah, you know, I've got lots of money. I'm going to live in Oklahoma yeah. the rest of my life. It's not like cost of living is going to be that big of a deal. He's never going to pay for a drink in Stillwater again. Yeah, all, the, all those things. Dan Holgerson uh, fits that that bill to me uh, a little bit. You know, Mississippi State, you know, all those things. They're struggling. Uh, Arkansas, but to see Baylor on the list, it's not a shock to me, but it does say, like, okay, here you go. You've got a team that's struggling. They've struggled now for over a year. I mean, this has been yeah. uh, a season and a half now of them – just not following up a conference title really well. I'm having a, a tough way seeing the path through for them because he's already fired his offensive coordinator after year one. He fired his defensive coordinator after last year. Those moves have worked out. Some of them in the short term, defensive coordinator, certainly not. There's not a lot of change there right now. And they yeah. might have a talent issue over there, uh, which they maybe do across the ball. I'm just having a tough way seeing a path forward for them that ends in a bowl game this year, which I think saves his job. I mean, I don't. I, I, if Dave Aranda wins three or four games this year, I think he's safe. Like, I think he would have to lose out the entire rest of the schedule to lose his job. And I say that one because he's finally moved past the era where he's using Matt Rule's players. This is his team now. And I think Baylor is not a school that can say, like, hey, we're a juggernaut. We can fire you if you don't perform excellently like and another thing about Dave Aranda that I admire is that and people don't really talk about it all that much but he is a very devout Christian very mm -hmm. much a man of faith and that's important at Baylor yeah. you don't you don't find that very often and so I think the fact that it, these are his players that he has recruited and you know his strong you know faith-based background I think that those are things that uh, make him safe through the rest of this year but um, it's just his, his, uh, his demeanor and his lack of any sort of emotion that makes people question, like, what's going on? Yeah. Um, it, like, I, like, I don't read so much into that. Like, like I think people want to, like, because the team's not playing well, they want to see him go Nick Saban and yell at a kid for having a false start. But if that's not who you are, you're not, like, yeah, you I'm not, can't. I'm not saying you have to be someone that you're not, but if – I think that they need someone on that sideline that's gonna, you know, you know, a foot in the ass kind of coach. Yeah, they, might, they like that's probably like that's what I thought Matt Pallage was. I think Jeff Grimes has a little bit of that in him, mm -hmm. but I do think that the overall vibe, and this is ultimately to me, this is a a talent issue and a scheme issue in that you don't have the talent to run the scheme that you're trying to run right now, and you don't have it, and. Those are things that ultimately come down to the head coach. And so that's why I'm worried, like, I don't, like, I don't know what they're going to do against Cincinnati in two weeks. I don't know what they're going to do when Iowa State comes back here. After those two games, you kind of reassess. But if they keep, go like, you know, their first road game, they almost got embarrassed and then, like, climbed up out of the ooze mm -hmm. uh, and, and did something crazy, which was really just like yeah. that. And so we'll see. You I mean, know, I don't know if it's Jeff Grimes or Blake Shapin, but you've got Monterey Baldwin on your team. They, they they seem to forget that all the time. He's a phenomenal talent. Well, Monterey Baldwin was was partially responsible for that early in the season because I think he got in his feelings a little bit. Um, well, quiet dogs don't get fed, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, and now like he, but he was the one who came out and said, "Look, there's a lot of guys that are just kind of waiting for the other guy to do it, and that's not where they need to be." The, look, in some of the moves that, like, they went in the transfer portal. They have not done deep, deep into the transfer portal. But right now, there are four guys starting uh, that are, let's see, four? I, mean, I guess, no, five. If you, okay, Presley's out of the portal. Keytron Jackson's out of the portal. Mm -hmm. Josh White's out of the portal. And the Barringtons are out of the portal. And, and are any of those guys we've, we've barely heard their names. worth the phone call like that they made to get them? I, right now, I, I'm, they're probably not, you know, and um, I mean, when you think about the portal, though, you have to consider why were they in the portal? Yes. Again, like there's like, Sam Hartman. He wanted to upgrade. Yeah. These guys, they wanted to go to a place where they could see the field. Yeah. And they're like, there's there's many different shades of the portal. Like there's many like it's a big, gigantic store full of players. There's like a bargain bin. You know, 
the TJ Maxx. Yeah. How, like Bruce Willis did this movie? What? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear about that. Like that one. And then there's the, you know, the Sam Hartman, Marshawn Lloyd, Ray Davis, Keon Coleman bin, or like, you know, part of the store where you know you're gonna you're, you're, the, you're the prettiest girl at the dance. Yeah, you're gonna go and, and you're gonna get a guy who's gonna help you right away. Yeah. And then there's like this big middle of the store that is like guys who are probably good players, maybe in the wrong spot, home set, like whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Like that have all these different varying reasons for going somewhere, um, you know, that that you can grab from. And then it's that is the hardest thing going, oh, I I I, I think we can yeah. we can use we can use two offensive linemen brothers. Let's put those in the cart and take those up. And then you you get it home and you're like, I don't, I don't know if we sh- we should have picked this this one out. Is there? But then it's you but, know. But those, those all are, sales are final kind of a thing. Those are still the guys that typically are uh, when they excel at the new school that they transfer to. A lot of credit should go to the coach for yeah. for finding the right area for that player to be successful. Yeah. And look, I. I I think that the biggest issue is the offensive scheme right now. Yeah. Like, because I do think they have a talent deficiency, but I don't think their talent is so deficient that they no. couldn't be effective if they were running a scheme that these guys fit. Because I don't think the guys that they have fit the scheme that they're running. I, I agree. I, I, Dominic Richardson, I, I think he's a, you know plenty talented enough to play on a good offense. Richard Reese was excellent last year at times. And then that's, that's the biggest question mark of the year. The only game yeah. that you reasonably like long Island, notwithstanding the only game against a power five team that you've won was the game that he, he and Monterey Baldwin got the ball the most. So, I mean, and Dawson Pendergrass has actually shown some, like I, I didn't even expect him to play running back at the college level. And he is, he's shown that he is hard to tackle. Yeah. Yeah. He's got some Mike Allstott vibes to him. A little bit. Uh-huh. Some touchdown Tommy Vardell. I don't know if you remember that far back. Um, I'm, I'm, a stu- but, I'm a student of this game, Paul. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, Mike Allstott. I had a football coach who was Mike Allstott's roommate in Purdue. Uh, wow, man. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, I bet Mike Allstott could, could put him away if <laughs> yeah. I were a betting man. Yeah. Um, no, but he uh, they lived in a house with, like, seven football players. In Purdue, at, you know, at Purdue. I mean, like that—that's that's just like a you know a fraternity house, but uh, everyone is enormous. Everyone can just do absolute damage that a regular normie college boy can't do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just just a couch with no legs on it, like we have here, because you know it just couldn't take it. <laughs> it just couldn't take it. Uh, so no, I I I just that my biggest concern is that this is a group of guys who's just checked out because when you hear Monterey Baldwin say what he said, then if you're Dave Aranda and the other guy's waiting around, like, why is he waiting around? That's your next little psychological project you have to work on. It's like, well, why, why aren't you excited to be here? Exactly. I mean, they're, this is big 12 football, which this conference, which was at one point on life support is now very, very exciting with, you know, adding these, these new teams this year and then getting four teams from the PAC 12 next year. This is going to be a very competitive conference going forward. And if you're not excited about that, why are you there? Yeah. Um, and the other problem I think Dave Aranda is going to have to overcome, Jacob, is, look, he's a defensive genius, right? Well, the defense is as big a problem as the offense right now. Mm-hmm. And so um, by the same token of A&M being upset with Jimbo Fisher because he's, you know, no longer the offensive guru that he's supposed to be, and that's why you hired him to come in, Yeah. then – it's the same thing with Dave Aranda. I again, I think that Mac Rhodes will do everything he can to like make it work because mm-hmm. Dave Aranda is actually a wonderful fit here, like you said. Like his personal beliefs, his faith, his like all those things. Like there's not there's not many places that he could go that he's going to check some of the boxes that he can't hear. Um, it's part of the reason why. Like, and here here's the deal. Like nobody's really been here outside of Grant Taff, and it's been a long time since Coach Taff coached here that you could say, this is my program. But Kim Mulkey made it her program. Mm-hmm. Scott Drew made it his program. That's why Scott Drew's not leaving. Like, yeah. everybody's like, oh, what? One, somebody comes for the, like, no, he's got everything he's ever wanted. A new stadium. He's got a national championship. He's proving to do it here. His dad was at Valpo for a thousand years. Like, there's no reason. 
And he's sending guys to the NBA. He's too. sending guys to the NBA. Like, there's no reason for him to leave. This is his program. If, you know, um, Duke got mad at John Shire and wanted to, to, to hire Scott Drew, it's still he's taking over Coach K's program. Yeah. You know, he can't go to UNC. That's that that's still Dean Smith's and Roy Williams program. Like it's like even Roy Williams won a title there, and he was probably like, well, it's still kind of Dean Smith's deal. Like, this is who it is, but this is his. And Dave Aranda has the potential to do that here. Like, I don't I I know him well enough to, to tell you he is not a guy. Unlike the previous guy, who I don't think would have a problem telling you this, was, you know, happy to be here, but was always looking for big opportunities. And Matt yeah. Rule, Dave Aranda wants the old school Bobby Bowden, like John McKay. When, when you think here of here a hundred years. When you think of Baylor football in 50 New, years, you remember me first. Yes, exactly. Like you like as I was here for 25 years. Bob Stoops at Oklahoma. Like that's what that's what I think he yeah. can see here, but yeah, we're, we're far enough can, removed from the Grant Taft era where that that thought is more than up for grabs. Yeah, so this could be his in the modern era. This could be his program, and the rules have broken to where you can do it, but you have to take advantage of all those rules, and they're they're not quite doing that yet. No, and I don't think he's against any of them. I don't think it's one of those things where he's like a Dabo Sweeney and said, "Listen." This is the way that Gene Stallings, my idol, did it by God, and I'm not changing. I think that Dave Aranda is willing to do it. He just hasn't figured out what his uh, lane is in that yet. And, and the university has to, like many, you know, um, I'll tell any college football fan out there that's not at like 20 schools that have probably stellar NIL for at least one program or another. You know, mm -hmm. Kentucky basketball is probably just like, oh, no problem. Here you go. Can't, you know, <laughs> Kansas basketball, you know, Alabama football, Georgia football, like just NIL's, you know, rolling and it's pretty smooth, right? Texas A&M seems to have a, a really good, you know, uh, program that was like, like a secret strike force that they just were like, oh, no, now we can tell who we are. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Um, with superheroes hiding in the dark. Yeah. And then now, now the world is fine with them kind of a thing. Um, Baylor is one of the many schools that just didn't, didn't have the, the structure for it and is trying to find out the best way to do that. So um, anyway, yeah. but that's, that's, that's where I feel on that. Yeah, I, I just it's, – it's hard to, to make heads or tails other than it, – it'd be easy to just say, hey, they suck, but – there's a reason why, and that's why we're well, slicing and dicing the issue. They've proven that, like, this is no longer a place where you can say, like, well, they just don't have the wherewithal to do it. They do. They absolutely do. And they've proven it, which is why it's now frustrating. But you start to see some fans veer into that apathetic. I was, I was at that game on Saturday. I, I can't say that I really blame them for feeling that way. No, but, like, it's you can't – like, you're entitled to feel how you want to feel most of the time. Sometimes it's just – craziness but uh <laughs> when you have fans going apathetic you've got a you've got to get a jolt a big big mm -hmm. jolt all right in our next segment oregon versus washington the game of the year or the game of the year of the week because there's you know last week oklahoma and texas could be the game of the year or is that the game of the year of the week so we'll see but oregon and washington the game of the year or the game of the year of the week this is the triple option on 365 sports like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. 
This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Alongside old pal Jacob Wilson. Mm-hmm. Jacob, um, Oregon and Washington play this week. This is two titans in the Pac-12 right now. Uh, the two teams that... Uh, Here's the thing. I wonder if they like sit around and be like, did we kill the Pac-12 or did you kill the Pac-12? Who did it? Like, let's be honest. Like, it's the, it's the Ron Swanson coffee machine quandary. Yeah, it is. But there are, um, you know, I mean, you could say UCLA and USC are the ones who. It was them. Who, yeah, it they're the them. ones. They're the ones who did it. Like, you know, everybody else just, you know. Kicked the body a little bit, <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, just to make sure they got they got their their stabs in, even though it was a cadaver at that point. Yeah, I mean, it was it was already it was already dead man walking, and they didn't they yeah. didn't realize it. <laughs> um, they just they just finished it off. So, um, like who who kills you in the firing squad, right? Like if if everybody shoots at you and all the bullets hit, yeah. I mean, know. it's like if Godzilla is coming through your city and and you're you're a soldier on the on the. Uh, the streets and you're shooting it tons of rounds going off and then uh he falls over dead and you look at your buddies and be like i don't want to brag guys but i think that was me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i got him i got him <laughs> i think if any of you guys saw it like i'm sure there's some tape on these on these gopros here you'll see that it was clearly mine that went into one spot and i could get him not the plane either not the, not the missile those aren't gonna get him everybody knows that <laughs> so um but Oregon and Washington this week, two outstanding quarterbacks in Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr., um, two fun offenses. Uh, Oregon's probably a little bit better on defense than Washington is. Uh, Oregon has not had a scare yet. Washington has. I guess Oregon has had a scare. They played Texas Tech. That was a scare for them. Mm-hmm. So they've each had a scare. Washington a couple weeks ago with Arizona and their backup quarterback, as a matter of fact, um, in that game, um, you know, took, kind of pushed it to the limit on Washington. I think that uh, if you look around outside of like Georgia's had a scare, the only teams at the top who haven't had scares are, um, it's is Michigan. I think, you know, if you haven't had a scare, you haven't really been tested. Yeah, I mean, so like, and a scare doesn't always mean you're, you know, um, you know, Florida State almost blew it against Boston College. Uh, yeah, o- Oklahoma did not play the best game against SMU. Uh, Ohio State um, needed a. A blunder of epic proportions to beat Notre Dame, um, you know. So I, you know, I can go through. You know, yeah. Look, USC, who's ranked right behind them, uh, is a, avoiding. I mean, they've avoided doom against Arizona State, Colorado. I mean, and you, Arizona now. USC. So. Side note, like indicative of the Pac-12 being as exciting as it is in their last season. Um, like you mentioned a couple weeks ago, they they choose to have their opus when they're on the way out the door. But yeah. USC. I think their lack of defense and having Caleb Williams just makes their game so much fun to watch. Well, I mean, it's just, you know, they were down 17 to nothing to Arizona this last week, and Caleb Williams just said, all right, hold on. He wants, I think he wants to join Archie Griffin in, yeah. that, in that very yeah. elite uh, just, club of only one. Yeah. Because there's a handful of Heisman candidates out there Caleb Williams is still number one in my eyes, but the other two are playing in this game that we're about to talk about. You know how, like, how much I've veered off the road since Sunday night on the Cowboys season in that I would not care if they did not win another one if it meant they were going to get Caleb Williams. That's how much I would be like, I would do anything for that to be the case. Like, there is not, they don't make guys like that. Like, there's one other guy like it. It's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he, he's the guy that if you're a high school coach and uh, you've got your players watching Caleb Williams, you're, you're like, Damn, I, I don't want my players to try and play like that because they there's just no way that they can. No. The other thing is you can't, like, you have to, like, brace them for the film, right? You have to walk it. Like, when Caleb was in high school in Maryland, every coach that played against him had to, like, brace the kids for the film. Like, look. This kid's going to do some things that you yeah. – he's really – like, and then you try to get him, like, psyched up. I'll tell you, you know who that would have been in high school for me? Now, we I, – I played my junior year and lost to Travis Henry, who 
went on the NFL. I think he's in prison now, but um, he played for the Bills and Titans. He played for Tennessee. Famously fathered like 10 kids with however yeah. many baby yeah. mamas. That, yeah, that's Travis, that's Travis Henry. And one of our coaches before the game got us all fired up going, he, nobody's that good. Nobody's that good. Like a quarter in, he's rushed for 180 yards already and comes off the field. One of our guys goes, coach, he's that, he's that good. He's that good. Yeah, <laughs> he is that good. Uh, the one it would have been my senior year, had we not lost in the first round of the playoffs, we would have had to play Pahokee High School, and the quarterback for Pahokee was Anquan Bolden. And I remember, like, coming back the next year, like, you know, when you come back to your high school when you're a freshman in college and you, you know, go see the coach. And I was like, oh, coach, I really feel like we could have made a run. He's like, look, you're not here anymore, so I can tell you this. We would not have. And uh, <laughs> he goes, come here. Come in the office. He's like, I keep this game tape all the time because you know who this guy is. And uh, he put it in. He goes, uh, that's Anquan Bolden. I was like, oh, that's coming to FSU with, with me, right? <laughs> yeah. Watch this. Could you guys have done anything against this guy? Nope. Nope. Couldn't. No. And that's how it is. Like, Caleb Williams is that good to where, you know, it's just like, look, I mean, hopefully he, it's raining or, like, something happens or, you know, he gets a penalty and gets kicked out of the game. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, I feel like the Heisman voters veer, like, once a returning Heisman or a Heisman winner returns to college football, I feel like people don't think about him repeating and getting another trophy. Well, and, and a lot of times because they have – defenses will, like, be everybody but this guy is going to beat us. Like, we'll take the chance if we can slow this guy down. Um, Johnny Manziel uh, probably could have done it to himself a little bit. Um, Jameis Winston, the team was just kind of like they were so talented they didn't really need to try until the fourth quarter when he mm -hmm. came back. I'm trying to think of – look, Tim Tebow, um, that team was actually better the next year than they were when he won it. Uh, but – they were not going to let Tebow beat you on one-yard runs. The problem was is that, like, oh, well. But Caleb Williams is still doing yeah, Caleb Williams. Yeah, exactly. So, and Tebow was a candidate, and he got votes, but mm -hmm. he wasn't nearly as good, at least statistically, the, the next year. So, yeah, it's tough. I mean, we veered off the path of this one, but I'm, I'm having fun with this topic. So I, I am, too. I don't give a shit. Uh, but uh, I, think, um, I think that, uh, like, you've got guys um, – that could maybe have won it again, but like I think they do. Like, well, we don't want to do that again because sometimes it's not that creative a decision, right? Yeah. Well, let's just give it to the guy we already gave it to. Well, you know, really, I think those times make writers have to think a little bit harder. The people who vote for it, it makes you have to think a little harder. Like, okay, are we just going to give it to the guy we've already given it to, or is there someone else who deserves this? I mean, it's. There, there, there's these biases, whether they're conscious or, or subconscious, but it's the reason Herschel Walker didn't win a Heisman Trophy his freshman year at Georgia yeah. because he was a freshman. That's, that's yeah. what it was. And I think if Caleb Williams, the way he's playing right now, if he keeps doing everything that he's been doing, it's going to be really hard to change my opinion on why he shouldn't get another Heisman Trophy. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, he's he is the – he's – look, if there's just – Just without take him – take, take another good quarterback in the country right now. You know, um, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Bo Nix, Michael Penix Jr., and those guys are really good. Take those two guys and put them with that defense that can't back them up. I don't think they can do what Caleb Williams is doing. No, because that, and, that and, USC is not really that great of a team if Caleb Williams goes down. Yeah, I mean, like they've got skill players that like they've got great wide receivers, they've got great running backs, their offensive line's fantastic. There's no problems on the offense, but the problem obviously is the defense. So, yeah, I mean, look, take Riley Leonard at Duke. You know, if he's healthy, really excellent, efficient quarterback, tough guy, like if you tell Riley Leonard, like, hey, I need you to bring us back from 24 down, he'd be like, I mean, I'm going to give it my best, coach. Caleb Williams, like, you know what? Let him score again. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> then, then I'll do it. <laughs> That'll be more fun for me. You know, like that, that, that's how good he is. But back to Oregon and Washington and the task at hand here, Jacob. Um, they're like these are two teams that are kind of devoid of weakness, and it's it's kind of like Oklahoma and Texas all over again, back to back weeks. And if you look at the games around it, there's not as many like big hot shot games this week, but it could be one of those ones where you know we're starting to see the apple cart upset a little bit. But as far as the college football playoff goes, this one is enormous. Yeah, I mean, one of these two teams will be playing in the Pac-12 title game. Mm -hmm. I'm firmly convinced of that. And maybe both of them. Maybe both of them. Yeah. You're right. I, I didn't consider that they, there could be a rematch, but it's, it's very exciting. Like, the reason we went off on the Heisman tangent is because these two quarterbacks, it's pretty rare in college football when 
two quarterbacks that everyone who's a fan knows who the quarterbacks are, and both of them are contending for awards as the team contends for a national championship. And it's, I'm really excited. I am. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's going to be a fantastic game. Uh, look, and this is a Heisman moment game. You know, Penix and Dylan Gabriel had his Heisman moment. And he kind of ripped it away from Quinn Ewers for the time being. Not that that, like, none mm. of that's permanent, but Dylan Gabriel had his Heisman moment on, uh, against Texas um, on Saturday. So it's going to be Bo Nix, it's going to be Michael Penix that has the moment. Like, maybe they both will. Maybe it's neither of their faults that either of them lose. You know, uh, Quinn Ewers had three turnovers. Huge reason Oklahoma, maybe the reason Oklahoma won that game mm-hmm. was those three turnovers. And especially early on where Texas could not. I don't think Texas is a team you want to get behind. No. Because they have Jonathan Brooks, and they can just, like, go, go, go. I think Oregon's that way, too. I don't think – if you see what, saw what they did to Colorado, now that was always going to be kind of a, like a big-time blowout game, I think. But maybe not to – I say big-time blowout game. I was thinking they're going to win by, by like, 20, not, not 36. However much it know, was. 42 to 6, and, you know, that one was just they, – they took Colorado's guts out, and – but if they're ahead and you can, like, just give the ball to Bucky Irving and the running backs and, you know, throw when it's third and five and keep moving, I think, like, that's an offense that can really kind of choke you out. Mm-hmm. And Washington, if you let them get ahead, like, if you get in a shootout, like, they're going to be comfortable just going, like, okay, boom, boom, boom. You know, they have, they have two or three NFL wide receivers on their team right now. Uh, Romeo Adunze is going to be a first-round pick. Jalen McMillan is probably going to be a second- or third-round pick. You know, they've got running backs out the wazoo. One of them is Will Nixon from right here at Mm -hmm. Midway High School. Um, I did his games. You were in the Marines then. (laughs) But uh, he was fantastic. He's he's perfect for that system. So, Kalen DeBoer's got something going there, and Dan Lanning's got something going uh, in Oregon. And, you know, that they've got a – like, of course, the Pac-12 situation is – only similar to the Big 12s in that, you know, the Big 12, the two best teams in the league are right now are, are, def- are leaving and might win it on the way yeah. out as where whoever wins the Pac-12 title, unless it's Oregon State or Washington State, is leaving. So their scenario is even probably worse in that, you know, this is going to be the last Pac-12 championship. But these are the two teams I would say right now that are, are now heads and shoulders favorite above everybody else. Yeah, I think the, these are the, the two teams that are – they're going to come into the Big Ten next year and be a problem. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, you can debate USC and UCLA on that. I think USC is going to be a problem. I think the thing is that that I think I think Oregon and Washington will be better. Well, I mean, Caleb Williams is going to be good, but Caleb Williams. Here's the other thing, though. You got to take into consideration, all three of them will be breaking in new quarterbacks next year. UCLA won't. UCLA with Dante Moore will actually be bringing their guy back, their five-star stud quarterback back. And USC will be probably Malachi Nelson and Oregon could be Austin Novosad. I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, and then Washington will be breaking a new mm-hmm. quarterback. But that could be anybody. We don't know who that is. Like there's, you know, in this era of college football, like it's not necessarily just the guy who's sitting there playing behind him right now. Yeah. So there are – that to me is going to be interesting. I – USC is going to have to get better on defense if they want to take the next step because Lincoln Riley will always get a quarterback. He's always going to have an offense, but it's just, they, it's been the theme. If if his teams ever lose, it's because of defense. Oh yeah, they've never like you know last year when they lost to Utah, Caleb Williams was playing on a, a sprained knee, uh, but you know mostly if the defense had taken care of business, that wouldn't have been a problem. When they lost to Tulane, right? If mm-hmm. if the defense makes stops. You know, on fourth and 11 late in the game and stopped Michael Pratt, you don't lose to Tulane. Like, all of those things, they've got to bow their necks a little bit. When we come back, one of the teams we might have talked about, which is the next team that's at the top that is going to disappoint? This is the triple option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. 
Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome back. Jacob Wilson joins us now. And Jacob, of the top teams, who do you feel the next one to disappoint? I'm looking at Garrett just because, I mean, of the teams that I expect to disappoint, like they're the top four, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Florida State, all getting first place or uh, you know, number one votes. I don't know. You're going to hate me, but I'm going to say Florida State. Okay, who are they going to lose to? Uh, let me take a look at the rest of their schedule real quick. <laughs> just tell me. I'll, I'll tell you why they will and why they won't to every single team on their schedule. Well, depends. I may, may, maybe I misspoke, but I've, I've just seen, uh, you know, Jordan Travis is a phenomenal quarterback talent, and um, he's got weapons. They've made good use of the transfer portal, but they have, they've, got a, they've got a target on their back now, now that they've, you know, made it back into national prominence. Yeah. Uh, Clemson gave them a run for their money. Clemson's still good, though. Clemson's still good. They're not. They're not great. Clemson is good. They're not explosive anymore. So, but um, it, it would be really fun for me to say Miami. Well, to- they've already did that. Oh, you mean oh, you mean Miami disappoint? No, Miami. Look, here's the deal. Florida State's going to get everything they 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 well except for last year. Uh, which was a blowout in Miami, mm-hmm. especially given what Mario Cristobal just did. Like, he is going to pull every fiber of his coaching DNA into that game because that will get to the point of, like, well, at least we beat FSU. Mm -hmm. Like, the Georgia Tech thing, I'll never forgive, but at least we beat FSU. At least we beat FSU. So uh, Miami, Miami has, I think, in my opinion, the toughest schedule left in the ACC because they still have to play UNC next week, Clemson the week after that. Florida State and Louisville in back-to-back weeks. So, they, like, if they make if they make it through that unscathed, then you can forget about Georgia Tech. Like, it was a stupid thing and it's unforgivable, but holy cow, that's a rebound right there. So, yeah. I think Florida State's benefit to them at least when it comes to Miami, even though it's a huge rival game and every player on the team hates each other's guts and all those things, is that Miami will have had to go through a little bit more of a gauntlet as where. Florida State will have had play Syracuse, who they should handle, um, who's good, but like, you know, the gap between Syracuse and the other good teams in the ACC is is pretty prodigious, as mm-hmm. you see when they they play one of those teams. Uh, they got to play Duke, and we'll see about Riley Leonard. That'll be a tough one, but also never lost to Duke, so you know, let's not start now. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, Miami's one of those teams that I th- I think Mario Cristobal is is the right coach, and I think they're trending where they want to, but I watching them this year, Georgia Tech game notwithstanding, I've always just sensed that they're one more year from from being those guys. But that being said, like it'd be, it'd be fun to see uh, a good matchup between Miami and Florida State because, like you mentioned, yeah, after, after that one, they've, if they're a good team at all, they're going to come in with a fire under their butt. And, um, yeah, it was Miami and Duke. What, why – why can't Florida State beat Duke? That's the question I have for like, you. Why couldn't they beat Duke? Yeah. Uh, you know, Duke's tough on defense. Florida State won't be able to run the ball. They'll try to force things down the field. Duke will make plays. Um, I just, like, what's gotten Florida State by in the close games they have? Like, the reason they beat Clemson eventually was they had more athletes than Clemson. The reason that they beat Boston College was twofold. 
they were able to build up a big enough lead to like quiet Boston College down for a second. And then Boston College committed a billion penalties, mm-hmm. literally on every other snap, including the play that they could have gotten the ball back at the end of the game. They had a face mask. So yeah. like, <laughs> not only did you commit a penalty, like you didn't commit a, like a five-yard penalty, like an offsize that made a third and seven, a third and two. You made a third and seven a first down and run out the clock. Right. Like, that's what they did. And that's why their coach is, is kind of on the hot seat because he has these moments where, like, oh, hey, they don't look so bad. Oh, no, that was a stupid way to lose. Um, no, like, that, that's why they – look, here's the other reason. They're, like, 19-0 against Duke all time, and this is the first Duke team that's legitimately scary to them. Even in their bad years, Duke was not scary. Like, mm-hmm. like thank God there's Duke on the schedule. Yeah. That was so, the- no, I, I buy – like, I think – I personally, after what I saw with Ohio State and Maryland this week, think Ohio State is gettable, very gettable. Um, and they have Penn State and Wisconsin back-to-back weeks, and not to mention Purdue next week. Let's not, let's not count out the Boilermakers upsetting Ohio State, Jack. I did that for you. I don't believe it, though. I don't believe it. I just said it. Boilermakers. I, ju- I, I, just, I just said it so I didn't hurt his feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, why, why do we care about schools that play in Indiana? In <laughs> um, but yeah, per, Penn State and Wisconsin. Of course, Penn State wouldn't be a disappointing loss. That's a team that could legitimately win uh, the national title, in my opinion, the way that they play on both sides of the ball. Um, they're a team that I actually don't think, I mean, you know, really has outside of Ohio State and Michigan must have a chance to lose either. I think we could see a Texas, Oklahoma, Texas Tech situation. On that side of the Big Ten. Run that back one more time. So you remember in 2008 when Texas Tech, Oklahoma, and Texas all traded beating each other? Uh-huh. So they went to, like, the, tr- the three-way tiebreaker, which then brought on the whole, like, here we're going to have one true champion. One true champion. Yeah. <laughs> that aged so poorly. <laughs> and so fast. <laughs> um. I mean, even at the, like when they announced it at Big 12 Media Days, like, I think it was Dennis Dodd, who we have on the show today, was like, hey, by your own rules, that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, I'm just seeing, like, I'm not even a whole paragraph in. Mm-hmm. And you could very easily have a it's, tie again. It's not even a paragraph. It's, it's three words. But. Yeah. Um, but, like, if, okay, so say Penn State beats Ohio State but loses to Michigan, and then Ohio State beats Michigan – which Ryan Day needs badly because he could lose one game every season. If that's the one game, they'll be like, our coach sucks. Yeah, I mean, there's ridiculous chatter all the time about Ryan Day being on the hot seat, and that's simply why, because he lost to Michigan at one point. Twice. He's lost to Michigan two years in a row. And so, like, let's not, look, let's not let him off the hook, but Ohio State fans treat that like double murder. Like, he didn't just lose to Michigan once accidentally. He did it twice in a row and got mauled both times doing it. So, I mean, after as a a Baylor grad, I just got keep things in perspective and appreciate where you are when you're there because come on. Like, (laughs) I mean, I know it's a very intense rivalry, but come on, man. But they want, like, they had such control of it for 20 years, like between Lloyd Carr and Jim Harbaugh. They had total control of the rivalry. It was, you know, there was a couple of one-offs, but, I mean, they had just, you know, for the whole time, like when Lloyd Carr walked out the door, it was like Michigan said, all right, we're going to, we're pretty much not going to win this thing for a while. Mm -hmm. And we're going to keep trying to hire guys who can win this thing, and they couldn't. And then Jim Harbaugh finally has and flipped the script on them. Um, And so, but that's why, but like, again, I think if you polled, you know, Ohio State fans and said, you're 11 and one every season. Now, going into the 12 team playoff, you're 11 and one and probably going to make the playoff. But the one every season, you'll beat Penn State, you'll beat USC, you'll beat Oregon, you'll beat all these new teams in your conference. If Clemson comes in, you'll beat them too, whatever it is. But you will lose to Michigan every year right before the championship game. Does that coach get to – and say that coach even wins a national championship with a loss to Michigan 11 years in a row on his resume. I think a larger portion than would be, like, 
reasonable would be like, no, we can't have that guy. Can't have that guy. And I know that's that like I painted an impossible picture for you, but like, I mean, I'm just I'm I'm far enough removed from all things Ohio State to where um, I can view that objectively. Yeah. But uh, I mean, as of right now, um, the only reason I didn't say Ohio State when you asked the big question, who's going to disappoint, is just the strength of their schedule. Even though they have Penn State, um, and Wisconsin's and, only lost once. Wisconsin's only lost once, yeah. but um, I mean, Florida State, they, the ACC has Syracuse and they're playing them. Florida State plays Syracuse this weekend and they're, they're kind of that snake that you don't think about that can occasionally bite you. I, I'll just tell you, I think Syracuse has proven over the years who they are. Like they will beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes time to play like Clemson, and North Carolina, like the last two weeks, that's like, yeah, I mean, do, do I think Syracuse wins? No, but. All I'm saying is that they're the spoiler makers of yeah. that conference. And where Florida State will lose a game, because if you look at their second halves, they've given up like seven points, seven points, seven points, ten points. You know, um, they don't like they don't give up points in the second half, mm-hmm. but they'll have a bad first half that they won't be able to overcome. Yeah. And it's time for them to start like, hey, you know, maybe defensively do what you do in the second half first. Yeah. And then put a team behind so much that they can't catch up. You know, that's kind of what they did at Virginia Tech this week. But Virginia Tech had that like their little moment in the sun, and then you know that that ended quickly. So um, it's almost like they they like to like turn into the skid a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so yeah, no, I can see. Look, believe me, until they are in the college football playoff, I won't believe that they're actually going to make it. Like, I've seen this team the last five years disappoint so, so much, six, six, seven years, you know, really disappoint so much. And there were some years where I didn't think that they were, you know, going to be that good. But, mm-hmm. you know, I watched them last year look really good early in the season and then play the middle of their schedule, which was the good teams in the ACC, and lose three in a row. So they haven't lost since then, but those guys are all still there. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. But, yeah, I think I think Ohio State's a team that I, I could peg. I mean, I, we could put USC in this discussion, but I think we've kind of already said in the last segment, like, eventually we, we think that they're going to. Yeah, their, their lack of defense will catch up with them at like some they, point. They can't, they can't keep playing. They might, look, I don't think Notre Dame's going to be in this week because even Notre Dame's offense against that defense, I still don't think we'll keep up with that. But, um, you know, you never know. Um you know, North North Carolina is an interesting one. Like, they're outside the top ten and undefeated at five and zero. Um, you know, I don't I don't see them really getting hiccuped until they play Clemson later in the year mm-hmm. because I think they're a lot better than Miami right now, and that's who they they play them next week. And then Virginia, Georgia Tech, um, Campbell. Duke could be interesting against North Carolina, and Riley Leonard could would probably be fully healthy by then. Duke and Clemson and then NC State at the end of the year. So, yeah, they, they, they've got a pretty interesting path for them. But I, like, I just don't see any of those teams until they get to Duke and Clemson really jumping up and, and biting them. So they wouldn't be really the next team to disappoint. It would have to be somebody pretty soon. So, yeah, I think Ohio State in the next couple weeks has got to be on, yeah, on alert, although yeah. they played well in the fourth quarter. But Maryland – Maryland, for three quarters, really pushed Ohio State. Yes, they did. Really pushed them. I mean, young quarterback and Kyle McCord. They don't have the, the C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields that, that you think of. And so, yeah, that's, that's definitely uh, another argument against Ohio State there. But he's got a lot of fun toys to play with in that offense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, let's see. We've got a couple minutes left here, Jacob. Mm-hmm. Um, uh Let's just run through some notes real quick. Is that Travis Hunter could play Friday against Stanford, so that's exciting. He's back from his potentially his uh, lacerated spleen, liver. What what happened to him? Uh, Yeah, it was something kind of like odd and internal that you don't normally think of. But uh, you see the uh, the video montage of him and whoever the kid that was that injured him from Colorado State, like went bowling together. Yeah, that was really cool a couple weeks ago. you know, I, I think college football is going to be a lot more fun to watch with Travis Hunter in it uh, as, they, as they head down the stretch on their schedule. Um, they, look, they won a game where they came back at the end again and, and won this last week against Arizona State. So the, uh, Colorado getting bowl eligible after, you know, 
like right, making not only the most interesting flip. They were one and eleven last year. Like, let's talk about a roster flip of all roster flips too, because you're going to have to. You could not have gotten Colorado to bowl eligibility doing it the old way. Mm-hmm. Like if Dion came in, like, no, look, I I believe in these kids. They've got gumption. <laughs> spunk, I tell you, spunk. <laughs> yeah, it's no. it's not exactly Newt Rotney out there. No, I mean he like I I, I don't think anybody could have done it. Like there's not a coach like you could have said Nick Saban, uh Alabama is uh uh you're you can go back in a year, but you have to go make this roster at Colorado bowl eligible. You can't take any transfers, you have to play the same roster. He'd have been like pass yeah <laughs> <laughs> and if you do it there'll be world peace he's like no no i don't want that on me no <laughs> <laughs> i don't want that on me so yeah they're um they're knocking the door of, of bowl eligibility uh another game interesting this week i think is tennessee and texas a&m and the all meh, bowl like yeah well that was that was fun while it lasted i mean these i mean it's two teams that have already either underwhelmed or disappointed already and yeah. so um, yeah, it's, it's not a game that, uh, unless you are an alum or a fan, you're, you're not exactly excited to watch it. No, uh, absolutely not. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, and I do think that Miami, um, Miami and North Carolina, uh, this I said next week, that's this week, Miami, North Carolina this week will be interesting to see how Mario Cristobal comes back from the, like everybody gets one brain lock as a coach where you can be like, man, that was just a, you know, rookie mistake. The thing is, and we talked about yesterday on the show, he's done it twice. Yeah. He did it against against Stanford when he was at Oregon in 2018. So uh, if I were Miami AD after this year, I'd sit down and be like, listen, Mario, I think you're doing a great job recruiting. I think I've seen a lot of good things about this program. There's excitement around it. There's funding. There's NIL. There's all these things. Like we might actually one day convince the alums to help us in the city, to help us build our own stadium so we don't have to play, you know, in a stadium that's where the Dolphins play, where yeah. the Dolphins are, yeah, we don't have to play there anymore. But I just have to—I just have to tell you one thing: let's learn from our mistakes, because because fool me once, shame on me, or fool me once, shame on you. Mm-hmm. Fool me twice, shame on me. Fool me three times, and uh, you know, we we don't win anything. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I I do think it begs the question: if you were Tyler Van Dyke, twenty-three seconds left in the game. And they called that play. Would you just gone to like, no, we're taking a friggin' knee. <laughs> I mean, do you have the do you have the stones to look at your offensive coordinator and your head coach and go, no? <laughs> <laughs> are are, uh, are you calling Tyler Van Dyke uh, a wimp? Is that what you're saying? No, I just wonder. Like, did it occur to him to do that? And then I know I don't know the cult the culture of of players and coaches is, you know. Coaches coach and players play, so you do what they tell you to do because you're trying to follow along with them. But I just wonder if he had gone, if they had been like, "Yeah, let's let's get know. out of here and win." And but then and then he just goes back. I mean, I think, no. uh, I mean, as a as a veteran of the Marine Corps, when you when you're given orders, sometimes you don't even think; you just yeah. do it. Okay, that's a great way to put it. Like, and then you look back and be like, well, it could have been done better. <laughs> oh, I thought that many times. <laughs> you ever just get on the radio and be like, uh, hey, Captain, uh, not to uh, be insubordinate here, but uh, you want to take a step back and uh, rethink this? <laughs> yeah, um, uh, instead of, uh, you know, incinerating that C4 that you tried to get us to uh, evaporate or explode, we have Marines eating it out here. <laughs> That's a, that's a real thing we've, that I saw. We've been, we've been uh, just sit, kicking around this idea on the table here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a quorum over here of us guys. <laughs> what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, we're out here and you're there, so just wanted to give you but some yeah. some boots on the ground intel. <laughs> I mean, that, that that's actually indicative of good coaching, I would say, though, yeah. because if you've got players that do what you want, you just got to hope they execute. Yeah. But you've got players that are doing what you want. Um, that means that you have a semblance of control, yeah. but you're, you're the coach. you got to be able to make the right decisions. Yeah, absolutely. Jacob, thank you so much. I know it was uh, late notice, but uh, always, always a great addition to the show. Mm-hmm. Miss seeing you every day. Me too. Yeah, miss you terribly. Jack doesn't. He's always talking crap about you. I don't know why. Yeah, see, that's even worse. That's even, that's worse. even worse. I feel like I just received that the, the John Hamm gift from Mad Men. <laughs> I don't think about I, you I don't at think, all. Yeah. 
Yeah. I've got, I've got a picture of you framed in my bedroom, by the way. <laughs> yeah. But uh, thanks to Jack. Uh, tomorrow, uh, Stephen Simcox will be here, and I will dive more into his fractured psyche of what is going on with TCU. It was a topic last week. We have to get to it again this week because they are. That'll be fun. They are. Not for him, ooh. but no. it'll be fun. And now on a backup quarterback, this is the triple option on 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster.